Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Central Texas Life. I'm Ann Harder, and welcome to this, my dream interview with Lynn Russell, the legendary CNN anchor and amazing author. And we're going to talk about her books. We're going to talk about her amazing journey through life. And uh, it's just a delight to have you here with us. Thank you so much for asking me, Anne. It's, it's going to be so much fun. Well, that's always our goal with the uh, the podcast here, but you know, when we first connected, it was through Facebook. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Bob Serwetis, and yep. I saw your name on a, this is a few years ago, I saw your name and I went, Lynn Russell, could that be my <laughs> Lynn Russell? <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, she's going to have a firewall, you know, an ordinary person couldn't come. And I clicked on it and I could message you. So I messaged you and you, and you responded. I mean, I am so totally a fan you know, you. Anne, after all this time, we have been in contact, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I just feel like we have been sitting down over coffee and or a glass of wine and several of them. <laughs> and um, I, we know each other. Well, it's just, it's, that is the one good thing about Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff <laughs> about, mm-hmm. about social media, but the fact that, that I could connect with you, absolutely, if, if there's the news anchor's anchor, that is you, because I, w- I watched you on CNN. You you were there, started um, in the 80s, correct? Yep, 83, January of 83. For 18 years, you anchored CNN Headline News in the evening, I, and you were really the anchor that I watched. And, and I never dreamed I would be doing television news years later, oh. but I would watch. No, I, I thought, she knows how to do it. And I would love, I would love your demeanor. I love the way you presented the news. Um, one time I, you'd finished your shift and the camera was kind of backing away and you took that mic off and you wrapped it up and you set it down. And I thought, oh my goodness, I just love this woman. And the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you, I, my mind is blown. Well, th- thank you, man. There must've been some <laughs> drama going on if the mic came off the way it did. <laughs> well, and it, I'm sure you can imagine what it might've been because you've been there. <laughs> oh yeah. It, anything can happen in live TV news and it does. But you worked so hard. I mean, you worked hard at CNN. You were the one of the first three anchors hired, right? When Ted Turner, it was you were kind of like, well, who I, is this guy? Oh, Ted Turner! <laughs> God, I love that man. I got there when when Headline News was was barely a year old, and at that time, it was in what we call the old building. And I remember I was spending. Let's see, I, I I started out for the first five months working overnights, which to me was harder than going through labor. <laughs> and I get off the air at seven in the morning and go sit at Howard Johnson's across the street with a little notebook. And I had just come from Texas and San Antonio. That's right. And I myself notes. I said, who is Ted Turner and what are you doing here? Um, and then later, <laughs> of course, look at him, all the wonderful things that happened. Ted's idea 
just exploded because the world really needed a good, solid 24-hour news network. And that was what especially CNN headline news was because we never, ever took time off, you know, for anything. And Ted Turner, visionary, is a wonderful man. And probably the thing you'd love most about him is that he always says what he's thinking. And you can take that to the bank. You don't have to like it. It's okay. But you know where he stands. And, and I want to thank you for saying that we worked hard because the philosophy was for somebody that maybe the only half hour of news are going to see. Correct. And it was that. So that was it. And every half hour had to be different. You can't change the news of the day, as you know. But if you had to do it again and again, you could change the way in which it's presented and so that it stays fresh. And that was that was you're right. That was work. But boy, it was fun. And it took a lot of people to do it. Well, I read a lot about you, and uh, the New York Times described you as a just-the-facts stalwart of CNN headline news, uh, a news anchor with the personality of a professional wrestler, which you said you oh, took as okay. a compliment. Okay, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, doesn't bother me at all. I just like that very much. And sometimes you have to be a professional wrestler in the nicest way in order to get anything done, even if it comes down to just getting the decent lighting. What are you going to do? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you have said the journalist's job, privilege, and responsibility is to tell the story, explain why it's important, and then shut up and allow the public to draw their own conclusions. You say, I have faith that they are very capable of this. And that is my own philosophy. And, and I think we're kind of seeing something different happen with news reporting. Yeah. Oh, you're not seeing that. One yeah. or two places, maybe you yeah. really have to look for it. You're, you are told you aren't even given the facts. Never mind being well, told. Well, that's what true. To do. You're not given the facts, and it angers me so that I really can't watch very much. Because if I'm going to start yelling and throwing things at a monitor, I'm going to get paid for it like I used to. <laughs> right? Yeah, we were talking about throwing throwing a pin at a sleeping teleprompter operator. You know. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, you, you did, you covered a lot of, you know, breaking news and all kinds of things. And, and as you say, and, and for me, that really was true. That would be the half hour that I would, that I would get of uh, national, international news. Um, big stories that come to mind over those 18 years. Oh, every, you know, every day was a big story. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing. And people say, What's the story that you remember most of all? And it's never, it's never what you would think it would be. It's always a story about um, one person and probably not an office holder. There was a little boy named, now that you ask me, named David Steinberg, I believe it was. And his father had had an argument with his mother and the father had taken him to a motel and set fire to it, with David oh. in it. I don't even remember. Oh, I know the father did survive and so did David. But he was terribly, terribly burned. And the father went to prison. And guess what? They let him out. And that's not even today. That's, that's decades ago. But I had a son about that age at that time. I could. I dug my fingernails into the palms of my hands. Uh, and, and you can imagine, right, when you're reading a story like that, because you're not just reading it, you're telling it. And which is another reason you only need teleprompter and sleepy operators. <laughs> uh, if you're not paying attention because you're yeah. telling a story. Right. But. But I'll never forget when that man was paroled and David was interviewed 
all these people standing around him, shoving microphones into his mutilated dear little face, and he's sitting in a wheelchair. And someone said, ask the obvious question, how does it feel? You know, how do you feel? And he said, I know my father doesn't love me. It was very, very hard to go on that night. Yeah. It's that kind of story that I remember, not what the politicians did. I didn't care. They, I care less now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I won't give you all the reasons why, but yeah, um, that's the kind of story that really, really gets to you. And you know that you, you are representing all those people in the audience. You're just talking to one person anyway through yeah. the camera lens. And you're representing all those people who are watching this and reacting the same way. That you are, yeah. 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 Yeah, there, there's... Well, I can't even say anything more about that because because you've summed it up so well. Because these stories, they do affect. And, and in fact, I spoke to uh, the news anchors at my former station um, just recently, and and talked about how you know news anchors can suffer PTSD on sure. on major stories that you know you, because you sort of separate yourself from what you're reporting. You have to, or you'd I'd be a blubbering puddle, you know. Yeah. Of but course, then eventually but it catches so up with ways. you. There are so many other ways. You know, if you're if you're out there reporting, you're going to see those long red streaks on the pavement. Exactly. That's not a good sign, right? No. And I, I, I flash back to, you know, when <laughs> I was a teenager and went to a murder scene. And yeah, no, I know. Yeah. So, but you, you learn uh, as a, you, you're not a participant in that. You are, you are an objective observer. And so you learn how to handle that. And it's very different from being in the middle of an assault, you know, and yeah, you can get PTSD out of that for sure. But yeah. the rest of it, we mostly just took margaritas uh, seriously and things got better. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned, and, you know, I love a good segue. You, you did find yourself in the middle of a news story in 2015. And did. yes, you did. And I see your sweet husband back there in the background, just sort of relaxing. <laughs> so how, how, Chuck, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good. Well, that's great. Well, <laughs> you didn't know you uh, oh yeah, just a little, just a little bit, but, um, well, yes, that, <laughs> no, no, really no good Come, pop on camera and say hi. Uh, no, it, it was, uh, it was a stunning experience that you went through miraculous yeah. that you both survived it yeah, and you want the news version do yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah, go ahead it's pretty short <laughs> okay we we were on a road trip we decided but my husband is a national security strategist chuck de caro who was cnn's first special assignments correspondent so this wonderful marriage all we do is edit each other all the time we just can't help <laughs> <That's not true>. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is true Anyway, so he had uh, something that had, he had to do um, with the National Guard in California. And we came from the D.C. area. And he said, let's just take a, a nice all-American road trip across the South, right? Uh, specifically across the South because we are licensed to carry in lots of states, uh, not, not all of them up north. Mm -hmm. And anyway, uh, we knew we would have to disarm at California border. But so we had an elderly dog, a dear 13-year-old Weimaraner named Oliver, and we thought, let's make this our big trip. So we set out and we stopped here and there and we had a great time. And then we got to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where my father, I was an army brat, had been stationed a couple of times and I'd graduated high school there. And I remembered it as a nice sleepy town. 
Chuck remembered it for other things, the Atomic Energy Commission, et cetera, because he has a military background, Air Force Academy and Special Forces. And anyway, so we saw friends and then we decided to head out. It was 1130 at night. And we thought, what's the point of being on Route 66 if you can't see it? So we found a brightly lit motel where we thought it would be easy to take Oliver out many times during the night because he had to do that all night long. Mm -hmm. And um, brought our things inside. Chuck gets in the shower. Um, and I remembered we didn't have dog food for the morning. So I went back out to the car to get it. Didn't see anybody around. Got back up to the door of the, of the uh, motel. Uh, a Motel 6, by the way. Don't even think about it. And um, put the food down and push the door open and reach down to pick it up again. And a guy with a gun comes around the corner, launches me into the room, slams the door. At the exact moment, Chuck's coming out of the shower, dripping wet, looking for a towel. Now, I have spent years of my life, Anne, with men who would have gone back into the bathroom, right? <laughs> they had nothing. They, well, but Chuck's had Chuck. So he, I heard him over my shoulder saying, what the hell is going on in here? And next thing I know, this brave man has walked into the room and stationed himself in front of the bedside, the table between the beds where we had placed our guns for the night. So the guy never saw the guns. Anyway, he wanted something, man wanted something, wanted something, wouldn't take it. And, and it was terrifying. And finally, I, I, I moved around the bed and was able to stand hip to hip with Chuck, uh, who's still standing there dripping wet and slipped uh, and reached behind him and slipped one of the guns into my Kate Spade, which I thought I'd never see again, my purse, yeah. and handed it to him. So here's this Italian boy dripping wet with a Kate Spade in front of his privates. And um, he, uh, he tells me, told me later he was concerned about using, the, I said, maybe there's something in here you'd like to have uh, to give the man. And he said, yes, there is. So um, he told me later that he was concerned that, about the reciprocal action of the of the uh, the, set, the slide on the semi-automatic against the uh, the lining of the purse. So he was thinking about that and about whether there might be anybody in the parking lot uh, who might be jeopardized. And in the middle of all that, the guy decided he was going to grab something. He grabbed Chuck's computer, headed for the door, and and we both, thank God, we think so closely, you know, to each other. We both were thinking, let's not let this man focus. So we were doing all right. And the guy headed to the door and we both thought, oh, he's going to leave. And then he turned around and opened fire on Chuck. Oh. And, and they both, then Chuck yelled Ranger and went into a combat crouch and opened fire on him, returned fire. And they emptied their weapons. It must've been only about five seconds. And, and he killed the guy. And, but Chuck took three rounds and two of them were through and through. They were, so there are five bleeding wounds there. Oh. And it was an ugly series of, of surgeries and hospitalizations and things like that. So, but after that, yeah, you might show up with a little PTSD. Yeah. Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, 
and let's have some fun. Wine and Dino. So check us out on RogueMediaNetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. What's your emergency? Do you hear that? It's coming from the house. It's coming from inside the house? Uh, do you mean, could it be? The, the Poltergeist. New from Rogue Media, two haunted hotties talking about haunted places. Every episode, we dive deep into the darkest places and give you a bit of history. We're getting spooky in all the right places. You've gobbled your last ghoul. Follow along for the craziest and spookiest stories with Debbie's Dark Tourism. The Stanley Hotel. Winchester House. The Alamo. Hotel Monte Vista. And more spooky places. Find us at the underscore poltergals. P-O-L-T-E-R-G-A-L-S. Look over your shoulder. It's us. The Poltergals. Wherever you consume the podcast, you can find us there. Yeah, I, I saw your exclusive interview with uh, Good Morning America, I think. Um, yeah, when you, and you talked about it and you said, I've never cried on the air. But it, it brought you to tears. He was facing surgery, I think, the next day. This was back in 2016. Um, yeah. In January, I think, is when, when that aired. Um, obviously, he's doing well. I'm so happy to, to see that. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be a long healing process. To, uh, never dream something like that would happen to you. No, no, you never do. And it doesn't matter your background. I had 11 years as a... Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, deputy sheriff, uh, jail officer, uh, Chuck's military training. He has managed to, to keep going. And I, I just can't believe it. Me, it was a while before I could even get on a, an elevator. It just mm -hmm. all this stuff kicks in, you know, and it just, and it doesn't go away. It just takes a lot of time and a good professional to work with. Chuck has just managed to keep everything steady. Um, 
Yeah, and every once in a while, there's a health problem still because the body doesn't like all that trauma and you don't mm-hmm. know what's next. But uh, he's a strong, brave man, and I love him. I know you do, and you referred to him as your hero, and he modestly said, well, I don't, I don't know about that. But yes, very heroic, the actions. And um, you did sue. We sued. Motel, we motel said, sadly, they dismissed it, I understand, but... Well, we settled actually. You said, oh, did you? Six. Okay, good. Motel Six, yeah, and um, and and the world's largest security company, G Four Security, had an arm, armed guard there that night, and yep. I was on his cell phone talking to, I think, his girlfriend. Oh gosh. And thirty-two cameras at Motel Six, and let me tell you, whether it's Motel Six or any place, the cameras are nothing unless they're monitored in real time by somebody who's prepared to do something about it. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just there for the forensics people. So yeah. you just have to keep all that in mind. Yeah, you had some very good advice also in that interview about what to do because it was not, in your opinion, I mean, you had no idea that it would be a dangerous place. But there are some yeah. things you can do to research. And, and, and I thought that was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, you, you, you do have to ask them questions and be prepared to walk if you don't like the answers mm-hmm. uh, at the front desk. You know, we had a guy who actually put 911 on hold. <laughs> and while he was... Two people, there were two people bleeding out, right? The assailant and Chuck on the property. EMS hadn't arrived yet. And uh, he was putting people on hold. And, and actually, he was putting 911 on hold. And he was actually uh, trying to give new rooms to other people. It was just, it's insane. So I can't even. Sometimes you don't get attention. You know, attention is not given as it should be to, to the serious problems until you file suit. Then all of a sudden they listen. But I don't mm-hmm. think they're listening so well these days anyway. So you'd have to take care of yourself. No, you do. You do. You have to take take action uh, on your own on your own behalf. Well, you, you mentioned uh, deputy sheriff for Fulton County and uh, during during your CNN stint and you you did that gratis, right? Absolutely. At that time and I don't know what is going what they have now, but we had a wonderful reserve division. Yeah. Same certification, same duty no pay and other people had their own reasons for doing it but i was on the air and i didn't want any conflict of interest of any kind also a deputy a a, a private investigator um didn't take money for that still don't well i might now but (laughs) i do now but before (laughs) i just had that donations be made to guide dogs for the blind oh that yeah that's great um and that is just such an interesting aspect of, of your career and your interests that are so varied. Um, also, a double black belt, is that correct, in karate? Joy Marshall. Yeah. Joy how, how, do you, how do you say that? Yeah. C-H-O-I. Shoi. Shoi Kwando, which is Kong, co- co- Korean, a Korean D- form? D-O. It's kind of a Korean street fighting. It's now morphed into something called United Martial Art. Um. Hmm. Yeah, it's it. You know what? It moves. It moves like Tai Chi. It's very, you know, very smooth moving, and everything that you do sets you sets you up for the next thing. So it's 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 great for women because it kind of moves. You know, Tai Chi like the way women do. It's very fluid, mm-hmm. but it's very very powerful. It's great. Well, and you've been doing this. You've been doing this a while, and um, just a, another one of the interesting aspects of of your life. But let's talk about your writing. Um, so much about 
your books. Uh, well, let's start. Well, let's start with the the heels series. <laughs> it would start with Hell on Heels, and uh, your your wonderful heroine who is a PJ Santini, and uh, she's a she's a news anchor. Go figure. Write what you know. They say. Write what you know. So I, you know, I wanted when I was doing a lot of investigative work. Um, I really wanted to open an agency and call it Hell on Heels and mm-hmm. have it be by, for, and about women. Um, I didn't do it. So then I'd use that as the title of the first PJ Santini book, which is really about a TV reporter who's a private investigator with a crazy Italian family. And and you're right. And what's to make up? I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your, your mother, I think, just, you know, she was your project, her project, even if it killed you. I think some quotes like that. That's right. Italian mothers will do. And my husband here can vouch for that because he's even more Italian than I am. Uh, (laughs) That your your family, you know, your mother or your great aunt, whoever it is, will do what's right for you, even if it kills you. (laughs) Well, but you do, you do really um, enjoy the food. And I loved reading you're writing about Italian food because I love Italian food too. Oh, I'm glad you do. It's comfort food. There's no doubt about it. And it's just hard to eat only a little bit of it. My mother <laughs> actually did tell me, and I put it in the books, uh, she would, you know, she'd say, Lynn, be careful because a minute in the mouth, a lifetime on the hips. And then with the other hand, she's, you know, have some fettuccine. Have Alfredo. some more. <laughs> right, right. If you don't eat, people will think that I don't feed you. <laughs> So, so what's the favorite thing you like to cook Italian-wise? Well, I like to eat Italian. Yeah. That's, and Chuck is Chuck cooks. Oh, cooks Chuck does. And, a, okay, good. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. Anything with eggplant, yes. um, pasta, you really have to pace yourself with that. It's so mm. delicious. But anything with olive, you know, everything has olive oil. In it. Right. So olive oil, you can, you can take a few tomatoes and, and a couple of, of olives and a little pasta and it depends on what you want to do with it you can do 15 things with it and it'll come out all different and of course the wine the chianti or mm-hmm. the you know valpolicella or the molte pulciano and whatever you want <laughs> and of course a mediterranean diet very healthy diet um you are a vegetarian though it's still vegetarian well i i fell off that wagon um, I do find that for the most part, it is the better thing for me. Mm-hmm. So, so well, you I look fabulous. I mean, you, 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 ah, thanks. you don't look like you've aged at all. I mean, it's just remarkable. Smoking mirrors, girl, smoking mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you look amazing and, and it seems like you, you feel great. You're keeping quite a hectic schedule. Um, Traveling on, traveling all over. Have a couple of residences, and and do you still have a place in Italy? I mean, or do you go to yes, Italy our, a lot? Still there. We haven't seen it in two years because oh, of COVID. Right. Um, but we're looking forward to going back. You know, in the next few months, sometime pretty soon. So. Oh, good. Yeah, good. And, and you know something really nice about Italian friends? They just they are so sincere and so real. When when someone likes you. In Italy, I mean, you really do see, have conversations eye to eye, and they really do tell you, they contact you and say, you know, we miss you. When are you coming back? And they really mean it. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little easier to be away, but still, 
Well, I, I had the opportunity to visit Italy um, back in the 80s. My brother-in-law was stationed in the Navy in Na- Naples. And uh, they lived there three years and developed some amazing friendships. And in some of the, and they're traveling like in Sorrento and some of the places they would travel, just have lifelong friends. And, it, yes. and, and there is that warmth um, that you get from the Italian people. So when are you going back? I tomorrow, if I could. I, I really we we just had a had a wonderful wonderful uh, trip to Italy, um, but I f- kind of feel like I went to Italy in um, Strega. Now this is your newest book, and that's really what kind of prompted this. I wrote to you. You wish me a happy birthday on my birthday. Oh, Russell, <laughs> wish me happy birthday. But I thought, now's my chance. I'm going to Would you please come and be on the podcast? Um, Strega magic. The spirit never dies, and uh, different from the PJ Santini books. Are you gonna? First of all, are you gonna do more PJ? We we got some more PJ. Oh, yes. Number four is coming up. I'm okay. not sure what I'm gonna call it. I was thinking about puck, but it does have <laughs> has a little hockey in it. I was yeah. thinking about puck, but there's another book by that name, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what I'm. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad you like Stray. I really I did. Know. Very. It was different and. Um, and yet I loved the way you did it because it was in, in two different time periods, two different locales. And sometimes this kind of writing, there'll be one chapter, modern day, and the next chapter, what happened in the 1800s. And, the, and I get to where I just want to skip that and read them all <laughs> in order. And you didn't do it that way. You did like books. And I love that. It oh, just, it was that. so much more user-friendly, but I felt like I, because of the descriptions of Italy and what I remembered from our trip there, it was just such a, such a delightful tale. Well, how did you come up with this particular scenario? Well, have you had any Strega liqueur, liquore, that nice golden liquid that no. they sell in? No, well, I need to go get some. Oh yeah. Bottles about like that, you know, and and uh, it's manufactured in the part of Italy, Benevento province, which is very close to Naples, mm-hmm. um, where my people come from. Yeah. And, and Benevento province is known for its stregas, for its witches. Oh, and yeah. way back in the year 600, apparently, they were having too much fun, not really hurting anybody, but they were having too much fun. And the Duke of Benevento uh, converted to Christianity. And so... To mark the occasion, he did what guys tend to do sometimes and looked around to try to destroy something in his own honor and uh, decided, and he chopped down a walnut tree around which the, uh, you know, the, the ladies and the gentlemen would kind of cavort in the evening and have a nice time. He chopped it down and the legend says that it grew back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and in the, in the courtyard of the Strega building, where this wonderful liquore is made from many, many herbs, there is a walnut tree. They have it growing there, and it's, it's on the front of uh, a lot still, a lot of the artwork of the, uh, of the bottle, of the, of the label. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, when you grow up with all that going on around you, it's just, you just kind of take it for granted. And I realized that many other people were not familiar with it, although Strega sure does sell well, because allegedly, if you sip it with the love of your life under a full moon, you will be 
you will absolutely be united forever. You have to be careful how you use it. <laughs> how romantic, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. More binding than a rope around both wrists, some people say. <laughs> well, it, it it's such a wonderful read. Um, you know, how we're, we're entering, you know, the fall and Halloween. And you know, it, it just seemed like such a perfect uh, book to release at this time. Um, there's a little witchcraft in it, but good re- yeah. good witches. Of course. Of course. You know what? It's about feminine gifts. Yes. And, and people are labeled, oh, you know, she's a witch. Well, there are male witches too, mm-hmm. right? She's a witch and all this. Hey, you know what? Everybody's got gifts if you will just open yourself and, and just in, enjoy them, just figure out what you're about. And so there are different kinds of gifts. Some women know, you know, when the weather's going to change, they mm-hmm. know when something is going to happen. They may not know what. That would be me. So it's really challenging to try to figure out what. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just about the gifts and about how women can be relied upon, midwives, um, when the, the need is necessary and then completely ostracized the rest of the time. And that's been mm. true through the ages. But there's a little humor in it, too. And, and I hope that uh, that you enjoyed that. And it's, it starts at 1617 in Italy, but don't panic. I think I covered that whole thing from 1617 to 1898 in about 45 pages. Um, and then from 1898 to uh, it jumps to the present day when, and it's about reincarnation too. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So there, it's a bit challenging and, and you may find you know some things when you end it. Uh, that you didn't realize you knew when you started reading. Yes, yes. Well, it's it's funny, as I read a book, particularly when I know I'm going to get to interview the author, I'll just highlight things that sort of jump out at me. And, and it's always fun to go back and say, well, what, you know, what did I say? Uh, just a few. Uh, one is uh, on page 149. I sounded like one of those bubble-headed news anchors who's been in the business three <laughs> minutes and comes off like a second grader. <laughs> yeah. Well, been there, I done that, during the headlights. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have, have had experience with that. <laughs> well, and I love this uh, this quote. There's more to life than the Internet. When you're online, you're moving too fast to expect much of the creative side of your brain. Too many ads and links and near facts and opinions from idiots. Too little objectivity, too much noise. If you were to ask the universe for deepest inspiration, you wouldn't be able to hear the answer. I mean, that's deep. But it's But it's so true. It is true. Yeah. And if, if we allow ourselves, we'll realize it's just so obvious that, that there's so much information coming in. And if we don't quiet our minds every once in a while, we're going to miss it. And we're missing the good stuff. Yeah. But you're funny, too. I mean, here's one more. If my entire afternoon had been spent on a Saks Fifth Avenue shopping spree, <laughs> so untamed that my American Express card burst into flames in the elevator, he couldn't have made me feel more beautiful. <laughs> Now, that's a boy you want to take home to mother. <laughs> I was always impressed with the way the elevators move so slowly in sacks. It's just so genteel, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Why, why not? And if it's somebody else's American Express, it's even better. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a delightful book. Straga, Magic, The Spirit Never Dies by Lynn Russell. And 
Lynn, I like to. I don't want this to come to an end because I'm having so much fun talking with you. And, and I'm just delighted that, that Chuck is in the background listening in on this. <laughs> but, but I like to end these visits. It's a similar questionnaire to the one the wonderful, late, great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actor's Studio. And this is my little take on these questions. What's your favorite word? I can't say it on the air. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> it's, a, it's a noun. It's a verb. Okay. A <laughs> okay. Okay. What's your least favorite word? Quit. Yeah. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? All three. Or, uh, or anyone. Opportunity. Mm-hmm. Every moment is an opportunity. If we aren't living in the moment, we are indeed, as we were just saying before, missing it at all because you can't go back and do it again. You just can't. And you're going to miss a lot if you don't understand that every moment is an opportunity. And you know what? You're not a victim until you say you're a victim. You have choices in your life and they're coming along every second, everything you do is a choice. And if you can help somebody else and you, if you will be helped and there are people willing to do it, then you'll be able to enjoy every moment's opportunity even more. What turns you off then creatively or spiritually or emotionally? People who are turned off, people who are so angry, people who are addicted to being a victim, Mm-hmm. This brings very bad things into other people's lives. People who will not accept responsibility for their own behavior and for the way their lives are going. That turns me on. Right. What's your favorite sound? Sound of wine being poured. <laughs> That's good. And my husband saying, Te amo. Oh. Say it. Can he say it? <laughs> okay. It's not for you. I know you <laughs> Oh no, no, you're not saying it to me. You're saying it to her. You know, we we were married in Italy and they don't go through this whole thing. Do you, you know, for mm-hmm. this, do you gotta do this and that and all this? He just said, Do you take Lynn, right? To mm-hmm. be your wife. And I thought Chuck would say yes. And yes. he said, Con tutto il mio cuore, with all my heart. Oh, oh my heart is bursting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what sound do you not like? No. The okay. word no. Period. Well, you've done so many professions. The next question is even a designed lampshades. Is that correct? Did I read that? Yeah. Well, what what other profession would you like to try? Law. Mm, I can see you doing Law. that. Absolutely. I majored in nursing. In college, I majored in nursing. Right. And, right. and when I got into actually, I, I, I cried all the time. I, I just couldn't leave it, you know, at mm-hmm. work and go home at night. So then I thought, Law would be good because you can do a lot of good. You can help people. It's a challenge. It's wonderful. And God knows I love to talk. 
So, um, but, but law school wouldn't accept all my science credits. So then I lied and said I could write radio copy. And I went into radio and yeah. discovered that radio and television um, enable you to make a huge difference and enjoy yourself and it's challenging. So, but yeah, I would do law. Yeah, interesting. Yes, yeah, you started in Fort Collins, I think, Colorado, your first, your Fort very Collins, first Colorado. job, a beautiful, beautiful That's state. Right. Thousand water, thousand watt radio station. Uh-huh. Sundown, it went. To I was going to say it was a daytimer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I used to work for one of those too. What job do you know you would not want to do? Be Joe Biden's press secretary. <laughs> That's for sure. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Finally, uh, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What did you just say? Yo, Lynn. Yo, Lynn. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> There's a moment going on here. <laughs> what do I hear God saying? Um, I'd like to hear her say, we've been waiting for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd love it. Oh, Lynn, I, I'm just... I'm just over the over the moon that we had this chance to visit and 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 enjoy your story. I, there's so much more to your life that you know we didn't even touch. And I was thinking, how do I structure this? And I'm just kind of glad it sort of flowed <laughs> the way it did. But get her book and her series of books, and of course, your first book really was about your CNN career. I'll turn this over and um, how to win friends kick ass and influence people so <laughs> that, and that's yes that. and that was back what 99 oh i didn't want to ask you about this i lied that wasn't the end of those questions uh you had three rules no limits was rule number one rule number two taste lots of things in life and rule number three there's nothing wrong with this world that 20 minutes in victoria's secret won't fix that was when victoria's secret was selling really elegant, sensuous lingerie, yeah, and 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 not Saturday night at the dorm. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but yes, that's absolutely true. Taste <laughs> lots of things, and you know what? There's no such thing as failure. Everything that you do, you felt was right at the time, and you learned from it. It's called experience. Mm-hmm. And may I say, before we run out of time, Anne, that I thank you for being such a wonderful interviewer. You do it the way it should be done. We didn't have a conversation beforehand, right? No, we really didn't. Because the good stuff gets said. And, you know, and it's never the same the second time around. This has been just so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, I have learned that. I've learned that over (laughs) the years. You are absolutely a delight. And I'm looking forward to the next PJ Santini. Um, whatever we are going to call it, but <laughs> I hope you all have a have just a, a wonderful rest of your day and enjoyed this immensely. Thank Thanks for having me on. I just <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it. And I look forward to the next time. Oh, absolutely. I hope you that next time the book will spend more time on PJ Santini than even okay. we did. did like that. All right, I'll hold you to that. The great Lynn Russell, thank you so much. And thank you for being with us. Join us again for Central Texas Life. Bye-bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.